welcome. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's kind of funny because <laughs> last week we uh, started off with 45 seconds of laughter before we... Uh, uh, before Someone, we a couple people have pointed that out to us. Yeah, and, and I just thought it was funny because, um, well, what would you rather listen to? 45 seconds of laughter or... Um, Hello, welcome to Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Mr. NPR. Mr. Yeah, see, because you got the NPR voice. I have... Hello, everybody, and welcome. <laughs> I have the... Uh, to Saturday Night Reflections oh, that's, on NPR. That's beautiful. <laughs> Made possible through de- generous donation from... From um, listeners like you. From listeners like you. Please call on now, and, and if, you, if you donate $100 in the first 20 minutes... Yeah, no, hey, welcome to Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship teams and worship team members helping facilitate worship in the local church. That's right. It's a networking resource, right? Networking. That's what we do. Yes. So, oh, that got really loud. Yeah, I'm having to crank you up a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm not getting very much signal. Am I talking too quiet? I can talk louder. (laughs) I promise. Um, so anyway, David, we were talking. We were talking beforehand um, about uh, potentially embarrassing, awkward moments in our ministry, and you were you were sharing one real quick. Why don't you share that with the listeners? Uh, that really kind of awkward moment that you had during a Sunday morning, because I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I was, um, and I'm going to try and at the same time figure out why you're so distorted now on our headphones, but hopefully oh. that does not matter to the Well, listeners. is it distorted on the on the computer? No, it's not. Well, who cares? All right. <laughs> no, yeah, it is pretty loud, though, I'll admit. Um, do you want me to back your overall volume down? Yeah, you know what? How about this? How about I share my story, and then you can share yours? All right. Okay, so while David's adjusting the uh, the, the mix in, in our headphones, oh, see, that's sounding better already. Yeah, good. So so here it is, right? I'm supposed to be playing at a wedding, and um, it, it's at this, like, you know, little tiny um, lodge type thing out in the, the boonies. And um, and I said, okay, well, is there is there a piano there or is there a keyboard? You know, what's the deal? And, and it's my, it was my buddy, Jeremy, getting married to Amy. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get you a key, keyboard, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, you already know where this is going, because, because it's like just every musician's worst nightmare, right? Yeah. So I get there, and yeah, they have a keyboard. They have a keyboard. Is it a Casio? Um, <laughs> no, no, it was actually a decent keyboard. It was like it was uh, it, it was a really old uh, Roland um like RD. It, yeah. it, instead of like the RD five hundred, it's like an RD one hundred or something. It was pretty old, and uh, so I, I get all set up, and hey, so where's the power? Oh, power? There's supposed to be a power cable? Yeah, there's supposed to be a power cable, man. <laughs> These things don't run off batteries. And I'm like, you're kidding me. There's no power? No, I don't know where it is. And I'm like, great, what am I going to do? And so so I, I look at the back of it, and here's the worst part of all, okay? Uh, you know how, like, all keyboards just use a universal power supply, just that, you know, three-pronged uh, AC mm-hmm. adapter that you just plug in? It's it's universal power, right? which is why—the reason it's universal is because everyone uses it. Well, the the uh, the Roland RD100 apparently was made before the concept of <laughs> universal was ever discovered. It was a two-pronged 
Um, oh. Which, when's the last time you saw a two-pronged AC um, outlet? Uh, never, right? So I'm thinking, okay, don't panic, don't panic. I remember seeing a Radio Shack when we were driving into town. I drive to the Radio Shack, and I'm like, do you guys have a two-pronged universal AC? And they're just staring at me, right? They're just staring at me like, what are you talking? Electronics? What? Yeah, electronics? We're yeah. a Radio Shack. And, and he's like, well, what does it look like? And and I show him I show him an example. I, I I hold up a universal power supply. I go, look at this and imagine it with only two prongs <laughs> for the for the female end. You know, imagine only two prongs on the female end. They're like, No, we don't have anything like that. <laughs> I go, dude, the wedding starts in thirty minutes. I need something. So I look so I, I go to the back and they have all these um like really cheap eighty, ninety dollar Casio keyboards. And I go, listen, man, I'm going to leave my wallet here, okay? And I'm going to take this keyboard. I'm going to take the display model keyboard. I'm going to bring it back in about an hour and a half. I'll leave my wallet here. If I don't come back in two hours, you can charge my credit card, do whatever you want. And I just walk out of the Radio Shack (laughs) with a $90 Casio keyboard. Yeah. (laughs) I go back to the wedding, and and I try to find, like, the – I try to find – the the most normal sounding piano uh and it, it, it sounds horrible right it just sound, there are no good piano sounds on a 90 dollar casio keyboard and there's no pedal either right no pedal so i'm doing the whole thing on this super cheesy casio with no pedal when i could have had like a decent roland uh rd 100 keyboard but stupid universal power supply wasn't universal that's funny and it ended up working out and they got married and uh luckily they paid me ahead of time because i think (laughs) it wasn't based on your performance yeah because i think they may have not paid me after uh after the whole thing was over (laughs) so that's great my story is uh about one one time i was leading worship here at gateway and uh I was telling a story about eagles and I was making a connection between uh, everlasting God and eagles and how I wish I could like fly like an eagle and see what an eagle sees in a day and how cool that would be you oh, know, to beautiful. be able to fly stuff like that. That's beautiful. But um, I and I was telling a story about an eagle's nest that I could see on my commute from Longview down to Washougal and. I was trying to remember what the thing was called that the nest was built on. It wasn't just built, you know, it wasn't in a tree. It wasn't on a cell phone tower like a lot of them are like, now. <laughs> but it's on, it was on a, a a wood thing in the river. A wood thing. <laughs> and it wasn't a dock. And uh, maybe it was a pier. Maybe that's what it's called as a pier. But pier. I don't think so. Because I think a pier, like, actually you can walk on. And this is just like three posts sticking out of the water. Maybe it's a post pier. Maybe. Or the posts of a former pier. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. And that's the problem, right? You didn't that's know what the it problem. was. <laughs> I was thinking about it, but I didn't think through all the details. Like, I would actually need to know what this thing was called. So, so you just started talking I about I just started talking, and then I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to know, think about what this thing's called, and I realize I don't know. So then I'm vamping, talking... <laughs> And trying to think at the same time about what this thing is called, and each service just got worse. So, like, I started off with, you know, the post that sticks out of the water, and then by the last service, like, the wood thing (laughs) with ropes around it. And uh, There's a wood thing and an eagle and a nest, and I want to (laughs) fly, kind of like that. Yes. 
<laughs> and uh, needless to say, I actually received a little bit of flack about that. That's great. They're like, David, stop making things up. <laughs> Figure out what you're going to say ahead of time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, and that happens, man. We we have embarrassing things and we have awkward moments. And that's uh, that's part of life and that's part of ministry. And uh, But... That's not what we're talking about today, are we? No. No, we are talking about this morning or afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening to this at home on your computer, on your iPod. It is um, it's that idea of hymns, choruses, uh, the age-old debate that seems to plague many churches. You know, David, there have been churches that have literally split over this issue. I think there have been a lot of churches that have probably split over what, this issue. What's the deal, man? Why, you know, why... Music is a very personal thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember so, several uh, several weeks ago, several episodes ago, you were... What was it you said, man? It was... Uh, people th- cling to the music of their yes, youth. Yes, yes. They, they embrace what they grew up with. Yep. That that becomes, like, sacred. That becomes the, the absolute, like, end all of worship, you know? And I think we were even talking about what what will it look like in in thirty, forty, fifty years when we get older. Are we going to uh, embrace the new worship coming out, or will we be like, oh, you know that that Tim Hughes song, "Hearing Him to Worship"? That that is the pinnacle of worship. That is worship gold. That, that is worship at its finest. <laughs> to not get any better than that. Oh man. So so yeah. That's and the, the hope is that we won't. Right. The right. hope is that we'll keep growing with the music and that we'll be able to stay current and relevant, and and that our passion will be to do what's most important for the next generation or you know whatever or, or current culture yeah. or, or current trends. You right. know, sit, staying somewhat progressive in in how we think, realizing that God has the same message, but just perhaps different ways of communicating that message, but. Still, the point remains that churches have split, people are divided, uh, some people hymns only, others no hymns, some people want blended, some people even do like a contemporary service. I, I imagine that even a lot of listeners right now fall into one of those camps. You know, yeah. maybe maybe they go to a blend service or maybe they go to a church where the morning service is like the hymns. The afternoon service is the uh, uh, like the contemporary. Didn't didn't uh, you used to do that? At your yeah, church? we used to have a we had a contemporary service was our first service, okay. and then the blended service was the second service. No, how did that work? Because it, it was a challenge. Yeah, because I I've, I honestly have never been part of a church that that did that, and part of me um, I I don't know if this necessarily is what we were planning on talking about, but it, I think it brings up a good point. Because part of me feels that it, it almost it almost becomes divisive by having two separate services. Did you find that at all? Yeah, there was lots of division, and there's just a whole slew of issues, I think, with having two different services. Yeah. For one, I think you're just trying to keep people happy. You're trying to be people-pleasing, and I'm just a general—I'm uh, not a fan of that. Right. So that's one thing that I don't— I didn't like about it. The second thing is it's extraordinarily difficult to plan two entirely different worship <laughs> services every single week. Like takes twice as long. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I just planned this service and now I'm doing it again. Yep. And then uh and you know, with the with the blended service we had a choir, so then you had to get the choir ready for a song every single week. Wow. And so, so they you did actually a, had a choir that was singing every every week. A wow. different song every week. 
Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of work. So there's that. But then the, the bigger the bigger and biggest problem is is the division because you have two churches really well, in, and that's, in one building. That's kind of how I always felt it would end up being. Uh, again, I've never been to a church with that, but you know, based on what people I've talked to, it almost sounds like you end up having two churches. You have a church of kind of older people that like being traditional. And then you have a church with like younger families, and the two, you know, married to do the two meet type of thing. Yeah, and sometimes there's a little bit of crossover. It's from time to time there'll be, you know, some of the older people will, during the summer especially will migrate to the early service. Uh, but uh, but they do it begrudgingly. They just do it because it's easier on their schedule or you know uh, or whatever. But very seldom would any young people go to the to the uh, blended service. Hmm. Almost never, actually. Because they came early and did you know did their thing and left and now now the church you're at now Gateway they don't do that right all one service all three one, times okay yeah. three services and the church I'm at Laurelwood Laurelwood Baptist in Vancouver we we don't do that either we just actually just have one service yeah. just boom now so you've been on both sides of the camp what what from an insider perspective what do you see as pros and cons of well, I would def I definitely fall on the doing one service multiple times right side of the camp uh, for obvious reasons. You know, it's easier it's easier to plan, and it's a lot more unified in its approach to to the body. Um, would I do a traditional service? <laughs> Just, you know, three times just to keep, I don't think I would. I, I just, I think I have philosophical reasons that yeah. that I couldn't because I think we need to be doing music that's relevant to the culture that we live in. Right. And that's not. And so um, there are, there are lots of, that when you talk about it, you know, when you're strategizing and you're thinking, oh, it, it would be great if we just had, if we did a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and, you mm-hmm. know, and then we'd we'd hit this group of people and then we'd hit this group of people and we'd be trying to hit, you know, everybody. And then, you know, some people from the Catholic Church come in and so they start asking for Gregorian chant or something, <laughs> you know, or to sing in Latin or to sing so, in prayers So it's, in Latin. it's almost like where do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where do you draw the line? And I, I think I think that's my personal struggle with it. And again, I I recognize that there's probably people listening to this right now who uh, go to a church where there's two different services, yeah. or maybe maybe they're actually leading worship or on the worship team, and and they have to deal with that dynamic. So, you know, I, I want to be sensitive to to right. that, but at the same time, I gotta say I agree personally. Same thing. I feel, you know, wh- where do you draw the line? You know, do you, do you start saying? Well, let let's bring in you know let's bring in the uh, uh, you know transubstantiation because this you know person used to be Catholic and still really believes that you know when they drink that communion is actually turning into the blood right. inside of them and yeah yeah I mean obviously that's definitely an extreme but that's kind of where I personally tend to lean as well and so so I, I think I guess that maybe does segue a little into what we are talking about why or i sorry i should say how how then do we view um uh, a church service where we have you know hymns from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that have been sung for generations and for centuries and are a staple of our faith when um in reality it's only been the last 50 years that we've actually seen uh, courses and we've actually seen kind of a new 
wave of music. You know, there there was kind of some of the early pioneers, Keith Green, of course, uh, some of the some of the uh, Calvary, you know, Calvary Chapel did their did their thing and was really influential in the music as well. We need to pause for a second, oh, take a break. Okay, we're pausing. Hey, so we and t- we're back. <laughs> we took a pause, right? Yes, we paused, but no one out there has any idea that we actually paused anything. Okay, so check it out. We paused because guess who just stopped by the studio? It is the one and only Bono. <laughs> he came. We're he sh- thrilled. He finally showed up. <laughs> we invited him Talk like weeks and weeks ago, and uh, he just never responded. But he showed up. No, Scott Olson, good friend of mine, uh, used to be in worship band with him. Forgiven much. Uh, electric guitarist uh, extraordinaire, uh, sound guru, and knows all-around good guy. Yeah, no, knows most people in the Northwest. Uh, he's got great connections. So it's one of those things. If you're connected to Scott, you pretty much know everyone uh, in the entire world. Well, I don't know about the world, but pretty close, at least the Northwest. Scott, hey, welcome. Hey, hey, thanks. This is my first podcast today. <laughs> today uh i've already popped popped my mic this isn't working i don't have any more pop filters well i forgot one i'm gonna i'm gonna break this <laughs> don't break it hey so so scott came by and that's really cool because scott knows a lot about uh music and sound and uh worship in general scott we were talking about uh right before you showed up we were talking about um this idea of hymns Contemporary music. I was I was making the point that contemporary music, contemporary worship music, I should say, has only really been around fifty some odd years. You know, the early pioneers of Keith Green, Calvary Chapel music, uh, that whole business. So the the question that we're kind of discussing is where where do you find that balance of hymns and contemporary choruses? Uh, especially as we were just talking, you know, having a, a split church of traditional service versus contemporary service, a little weird, but integrating the two can also be difficult because you have old timers who, you know, love their hymns, they grew up on them, and then you have kind of a new wave of people who, uh, you know, we want to reach them with kind of a, a more progressive uh, message that's going to be more culturally relevant, but then you want to balance the two and... On top of all of that, in the last five or ten years, at least from what I've noticed, there seems to be a huge uh, resurgence of popularity in hymns. You know, you see the new David Crowder stuff coming out. Of course, Matt Redman and the, the Passion worship team, they're always throwing hymns out there and, and redoing it. So all that to say, where's the balance? How do you do it? And how do we as worship leaders um, present the best I don't know, biblical model of worship for our churches. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, <clears throat> do you ever use hymns in your church? Always. Do you? No. no. Um, I was gonna yeah, we play, we play tons of, tons of hymns. I, I guess because of my particular context in, uh, which I should tell you a little bit about a little bit about my church context. Uh, I'm a worship pastor in Gresham at a church called Coram Deo Fellowship. And we are, we have a target age group, like our, our missions target age group is 18 to 30 year olds, which is exactly who makes up 70% of our church. So that puts me in a, at a, if I'm a pop musician, which I am, it puts me at a little advantage in that I'm not dealing with a lot of the, 
issues that your average worship pastor. So you have a very narrow with. group of people that you're trying to reach. Well, we have a we have all ages at our church, um, but our 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 mission is to draw eighteen to thirty year olds. Which I could go into why and all that, uh, but that would take up some time here. Um, when it comes to music, though. Uh, because I don't have the worship war going on, and I'm not, you know, you guys are both uh, in churches that are, are diverse, you know, diverse, a lot of middle-aged people, a lot of older people, uh, younger people, and and you really, you have traditional past to deal with, whether that's, right. whether that's your current desire or not, it's your responsibility. Um, I'm in a little a different situation in which uh, no one is bothering me about what we're doing as far as music's concerned. So, so you never get those uh, comments, we need more hymns. Never. Ne- <laughs> never. Um, What's it like, man? <laughs> part of that is uh, that m- my church doesn't think that way, in that yeah. um, the traditional past um, the traditional past is, isn't held on to by young people. Well, and, and also we should mention there isn't really much of a past because it's a church plant. You, you right, only, we're four years old. Yeah, it's only been around for four years, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I should say, too, we don't really have that battle here anymore. Mm-hmm. I think like probably five or ten years ago they had it. Sure. But the senior pastor has been real vigilant about, about not appeasing anything in that. We want more of this. If if someone comes to him, he'll say, "Well, I know a great church." Sure, sure. <laughs> and send them to it. So. so, so, so then the the question remains, you know, because recognize that there's people listening to this that either they're in the middle of those battles, maybe they don't have those battles, but uh, the question still remains: Where is there a balance of of having hymns? You know, so here here you go, Scott. A new church, four years old. You have a target audience of eighteen to thirty year olds. Do you, do you think there's any reason to do hymns, uh, or or is that like an outdated thing, or is there, you know, validity in the text of hymns? Is there, uh, yeah. you know, like like that whole that whole aspect, right? Right, and my my context doesn't. I'm not opting out of the question just simply because yeah. I'm not dealing with the negative side of the argument. You know, right. um, rather I'm I'm on the other side of the ar- argument in saying uh, there are some really great songs. Uh, with really great theology that are going to draw my people to, to Jesus, mm-hmm. and I'm going to play them. So, you know, I guess when when it comes to hymns and choruses, I guess those are musical genres for me more than uh, traditional categories. You know what I'm saying? So it's a content based approach, sure, instead of a, a style based approach. And I know your average worship leader wishes that they didn't have to referee any sort of worship war right uh which you know that can you say sucks on this podcast because yeah, i'm gonna can. say it a lot because that because that sucks like uh yeah. that it it takes us off mission yeah uh we're dealing with basically uh personnel and uh <laughs> human uh we're dealing with our sin nature we're dealing with uh, yeah, well, it's crazy. I was just picturing a, a worship leader with a, a striped shirt on and a whistle <laughs> <laughs> during service. But, but you, you know, you're right, because I think it it makes it more, and we were just talking about this earlier, it makes it kind of your, you know, your personal preference instead of what what maybe will draw you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Sure. And, But wouldn't, wouldn't, the, wouldn't the ultimate category here be 
good and bad music yeah or good and bad theology or good and bad songs or uh, on a grand level what's good and bad for the growth of our people yeah i agree so uh, but l- let me ask this question so so you're say you're in a church where the philosophy is we're going to do one contemporary and we're going to do one blended service does that worship leader have a responsibility to ascribe to that philosophy and try and stick within that genre does he have a responsibility to to do what uh, he thinks is best for the people well I, I absolutely you're uh you're responsible to the elders of your church to do the mission of the church if you yeah. accepted that job then it's your job you know um i didn't do a very good job then <laughs> I, I i personally you know i'm gonna be I'm going to be accepting a job as hey, I mean if I'm going to do this for money like my to to support my family, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose a mission that I'm that I'm actually about, you know what right. I'm saying? And yeah. I know I know a lot of worship leaders they don't necessarily have that choice as a first choice. They're looking, you know, this is their area, their gifting, uh their personal mission is is as a musician, as a as a church leader, as a worship leader, and you're gonna you're gonna take the job that the Lord leads you to, right? Uh, then you're responsible to do uh, the work of the church. But you know, I, so. I I really like what you said. How you know every every church has a philosophy. Well, hopefully every church has a philosophy. They they have a philosophy of ministry, and you know being able to say, hey, this is the church I'm at. This is our philosophy. Here's what we're gonna do to reach to meet that philosophy. I think that's maybe something that is often overlooked, and it, it really shouldn't be. That should be the very first thing you look at, you know? Absolutely. Um, you also said something a little, I want to go back to it. You said, um, you know, we shouldn't categorize it in hymns and uh, courses, but, you know, good music, bad music, good good theology, bad. Because let's be honest, there are some hymns out there that are just horrible, you know? They have really bad theology in it they're really dorky uh, and also there's some choruses there's some worship songs that have come out recently that are awful as well you know and i think we'd be remiss to say well we're only going to do hymns or we're only going to do choruses when in reality there's some bad hymns and there's some bad choruses but looking at what's the philosophy of our church how are we going to reach that end and what kind of music are we going to do that's going to encourage and challenge our congregation to grow? Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> way, to, way to be. <laughs> way to agree. I'm a lemming. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I know that ton, tons and tons of church leaders don't have these choices, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, your average, you know, your average church doesn't have a mission that they're on. Their mission is to survive, or you know, like <laughs> keep people coming, um, and or or they used to, to not have, go into bankruptcy, yeah, or they used to have a a mission and a set of values that are no longer relevant, or the guy who really set those things in motion is no longer around, and the elders haven't taken a look at that stuff for right. years, <laughs> yeah. and really survival probably is the uh, is the They're main just trying goal. To keep the doors open. Yeah, they're not trying to take the church anywhere necessarily. They they may want to, but they're not necessarily making any concerted effort. So, to. so would you agree then, for someone maybe who's listening and doesn't have those kind of luxuries or 
or maybe they're in that the luxuries place. of being on mission. <laughs> yeah, the, the luxuries of actually being at a church where uh, you know they understand core values. So can can we all agree and say maybe to that person listening, perhaps the first thing they need to do is relook at their church, their vision statement, uh, their philosophy of ministry, and then address it from there, and not necessarily look at hymns courses but look at what are we doing to bring our people into a closer relationship with jesus christ sure yeah yeah and and i think that it's got to they've got to start somewhere trying to build some kind of excitement or passion or energy or movement and in some direction and if that's if that's going back to the roots of the church if that's what's easiest if that's what's most suitable to the people who are involved then i think they need to try and stir up a little bit of passion about that or or something i mean a church that's just sitting there is is pretty much worthless yeah so well and that's the that's the plight of tons and tons of worship leaders Mm -hmm. to to and it's actually become a pretty common uh structure of a church that uh that they're going to bring in a young worship leader to stir things up to uh to get the church uh moving in uh Stirring up affections, right? And, and, well, and, uh, and you know, both Dave and I are are younger guys, and uh, you know, I, I know that at least for me at, at my church, Laurelwood, that was one of the you know one of the things bringing because I, I I'd had no formal past experience as a worship leader, but they they saw uh, hopefully a value in me saying you know what what can we do ten fifteen years from now to you know to keep things a little more relevant and current. And uh, it, it's a struggle, you know. I, I think it's a struggle for a lot of people in a lot of churches, finding that balance. And you know, certainly, um, <laughs> certainly having hymns and choruses, uh, and and having the dynamics of people who grew up with hymns uh, makes makes things difficult. And unfortunately, I think it's a it's a struggle that people will be facing for years to come. You know, I wish I wish it was as easy as saying, "Well, hey, let's just look at our church philosophy." And let's just pick, you know, good music. Uh, it's not always that easy, though, which is unfortunate. First church I got hired at, I got hired to be a contemporary worship leader. And as soon as I got in there, it was like, oh, but you can't do this. You <laughs> the, can't do that. Their idea of contemporary was a little different than yours? Yeah, just a little bit. Like, I was thinking, you know, contemporary as in today, they were thinking contemporary as in Bill Gaither. So you know our our ideas. Gaither's always different. on tour, man. <laughs> he's, he's that whole family life. is rocking. Yeah, he's got the big bus, and he's got a lot of money. <laughs> and he's got money. Yeah, it's hard not to make money though. He's got more charged. records than all of us. Yeah, it's true. And uh, songs and and, it, songs. and influence and more people listen to his podcast. <laughs> and money. <laughs> <laughs> more, yeah, I can guarantee more people listen to his podcast <laughs> than this one. But I'm just. How are we doing on we're, time? We're good. We got a couple minutes if we want. Oh, good. Well, in, in that <laughs> or case, if we don't, <laughs> yeah, we're done. Then. I, I was just trying to wrap things up because that's the thing. We could talk about this forever. I mean, you know, I, I feel, I, I personally feel that you know, hymns are are valuable. I love, I love some of the the language. I love some of the music. Um, actually, let me qualify that statement. I don't, I don't really like the music to a lot of hymns, but I like what's being redone. Uh, Robbie Say band, David Crowder band, Matt Redman, Passion. I think these are all these are all um, musicians and artists that have taken the heart and context of 
these these uh, or content of these hymns and given in a new context. And that's what I'm most interested in. I'm I'm most interested in in keeping uh, good sound biblical doctrine, but in doing it in a way that's going to be you know actually real and relevant for my church. And of course, again, every church is different. Every church, you know, has their own unique struggles, but I don't. I don't know. It's it, it's hard for me sometimes to uh, to wrestle with that idea myself, you know, because I part of me feels obligated to you know always include at least one hymn, but then the other part of me is like, well, you know, just like Scott was saying, do we have to categorize it in hymns and choruses, or can we just say good music versus bad music? And I would, yeah. if you look at uh, the the music that my band has done over the last couple years we include hymns almost every week but i never think about it it has nothing to do with the genre of music yeah i never i never even think about it that way so you you don't even think like oh i gotta make sure to do a hymn you're just like let's do this song because it's awesome absolutely well and i i think that's very important and i think as long as we're as long as we're picking songs that are that are content appropriate then regardless of their genre then we should do them i think if there are some older hymns like I've done this a couple times, and I'm sure some other people have. There's some older hymns that have had a perfect message, but then the melody is just horrible. You know, there's no way I'm going to do that melody in a contemporary in a contemporary service. Like so, in the garden, that's uh, the greatest. <laughs> so I go back through. And he walks with me, and he boom, check, with check, me. Boom, check, check, he tells me. Yeah, okay. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not joining in on that. <laughs> Come on, man. You I just need, don't know the song. I that's need a why. tenor. I despise that song. <laughs> Who is Andy anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with but, me. Um, but so I've rewritten. I'll, I'll rewrite music if the song is just perfect, and we we absolutely need to do it. Sure. So so that's one. But I think it's got to be content. I think you can also go too far on the other end of the spectrum and be and you know just trying to do the newest and coolest song and ha- pay no attention to what the song is saying. But because it's the newest and coolest out there, you feel like you have to do it. And I think that's wrong too. Like the new Charlie Hall. If that's your total motivation. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for Scott. Sorry, that was a <laughs> Scott. Scott thinks that I hate Charlie Hall. I really don't. You do hate Charlie no. Hall. <laughs> see, see, I love the guy. He's you he's, know uh, okay my okay. favorite bald worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like Charlie Hall. Some of his songs I think are a little dumb, and I may have said that one or two times in the presence of Scott. And now Scott thinks I hate him, but I really don't. We did one of his songs this weekend. Which one? Center. Center and that Charlie Hall and Matt Redman. Wrote it's on song. the internet. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up now. I'm afraid my computer will crash. Yeah, yeah it's kind of no. chugging a little slow right now. Chug, so. chug, chug. Well, that's probably time. Yeah, we got. We're about done. Yeah. So we should tell people where to get in touch with us. Yes, get in touch with us by going to the following, the following places. Uh, there's our website, worshipministrycatalyst.com. Email. Email is Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com or how do you spell, how do you spell catalyst? Yeah, that's a it's good a, one. It's a hard word. It's like K- it's like cat. K A. It's in the title of the podcast. The no need to spell it. Yeah, number A Y L S T. Is that right? Yes. Catalyst. Yeah. Spell cat and then add an alist. I'm just here. I'm just here to help. Thank you. Appreciate that. Shoot us an email. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We will share some feedback we get on the air. In the studio. Yes, the WMC studios. That's great. All right, thanks for listening, and we're going to have a lot more Scott in episodes to come, so... Brilliant. So stick around. Brace yourselves. Stick around. Have Have a a great week.